You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to provide your fantasy fix with Nick Menzio from rotoworld.com and spotlight the reigning champs in New England when we chat with Andy Hart from Patriots Football Weekly. Brian, let's kick off the podcast today as we begin our Thursday night preview with Dave Lapham of the Bengals broadcast crew. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start with the quarterback position. Andy Dalton has played so many solid games over the years for your team. What do you think happened on Sunday with the four interceptions? Yeah, I mean, he laid a dinosaur egg, you know. I mean, he was uh, he didn't make great reads. There was uh, He took a strip sack fumble that uh, Baltimore recovered in the red zone where Baltimore, uh, the Bengals ran a pick play just like Baltimore had done, you know, for their touchdown earlier in the game. And uh, it broke his wide open for the Bengals with a running back, and he didn't see it, tucked it, and and uh, it was a big third down play. He two of his interceptions were on third down, where he wasn't really uh, real real uh, keen with his reads. But I'll tell you, he had plenty of help. He didn't get much protection at all. The, the pocket and Cordell can speak to this. I mean, not only did the tackle struggle, but there's no place for the quarterback to step up. The integrity of the pocket, the inside of the pocket was being collapsed. There was no depth to the pocket, no width to the pocket, and and his clock got reset on him a little bit, and uh, he really struggled, there's no doubt. Yes, he did. And, and you know, when the pocket collapses, uh, if you don't have any feet and you're not agile enough, you can never get out of trouble. But speaking of trouble, Vontez is perfect. He's suspended. Uh, we know his behavior. He's undisciplined. Uh, it's a big part of in the past in the preseason of, of why the Steelers end up winning that playoff game because if we don't get the fumble, uh, if we don't get the – personal fouls in that one drive, they win that game. But he gets an extension, and yet he ends up getting suspended this year uh, for, for illegal with an illegal hit on the player coming across the middle. So how do you gauge how Marvin Lewis is when it comes to a lot of his leaders being undisciplined but yet still get compensated with extension of contracts, but yet his job is always on the line every single year? Yeah, I mean, Vontez is, is definitely uh, he's definitely had his issues. I mean, he hasn't played 16 games since he made the Pro Bowl in 2013 due to injury and suspension, and he's given he's given back like a million and a half dollars in, in fines. So he's been an ATM for the for the NFL in that regard. There's, there's no doubt. But they just uh, they feel like you know if he can get himself uh, get himself squared away, they, they feel like he's improving on a, on a, on a pretty significant basis. A lot of that. I mean, they went to they went to bat for him heavy on that hit that uh, they, they they termed it was you know they didn't think it was illegal the way it happened. And in fact, Vontez you know was talking to the kid during the game and he said you know it was in a he didn't even cry hadn't even passed the line of scrimmage, so it was well within the five yard area and he's got to keep his head on a swivel. All that being said, Vontez has to realize he's a target. He has to realize that he has to uh, change the way he plays the game. The NFL is not going to adapt to him. He has to adapt to the new NFL. A lot of the hits that Vontaze has been fined for, you know, back a few years back would have been business as usual, but it's not anymore. I mean, it's the, the league is changing. The league's more interested in player safety and rightfully so, and Vontaze has to adjust and adapt. His football game is not going to go the other way. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber getting you set for Thursday Night Football with Dave Lapham, game analyst for the Bengals Radio Network. Dave, the Bengals have high hopes for Joe Mixon in his rookie year. Do you expect him to get 
more than the eight carries that we saw on Sunday when they match up tomorrow against Houston? You know, I would, I would think so. But, you know, I, I know that the Bengals staff in general don't really trust rookies, particularly rookies running backs with blitz pickups and that sort of thing. But they have Giovanni Bernard to do that. Giovanni Bernard was the, the brightest uh, beacon for him as, a, as an offensive threat in, in uh, the game against the Ravens. He had the longest run from scrimmage of 23 yards, and his catch for 39 was the longest reception. So the guy is an outstanding blitz pickup, great receiver, out of the backfield on third down, like a wide receiver running routes. So, you know, give the ball to Joe Mixon, put his belly on first and second down 15, 18, 20 times and, and let him do his thing. The guy is, uh, he's got ridiculous ability. His size-speed ratio is, is, is as good as a lot of guys in the league, if not better. And he's just, uh, he's just you know, a gifted athlete at the running back position. He catches it well, too. He runs routes and catches it well out of the backfield. He's, he's a guy that, that needs to touch the football, in my mind, no doubt. When watching Cincinnati play in that last game against the Baltimore Ravens and their inability on both sides of the football to convert, uh, who would you be more prepared to play against or prefer to play against uh, at the quarterback position, Tom Savage or Deshaun Watson? Yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, I thought that uh, both of them, the tape I watched, both of them looked like they are deliberate with the football. And I can understand what Sean Watson, Sean Watson, coming out of Clemson, ran a shotgun spread, predetermined read, you know, offense, and trying to adapt to Ken O'Brien, who is the Patriots system, which is as complicated as there is in the league. So you know, I, I would think if Sean Watson is the starting quarterback, which I think he's going to be, and it'll be the ninth starting quarterback for Bill O'Brien in three years and two games, most in the NFL, everybody gets on the Cleveland Browns, but man, it's been a, as big a pass they left on a bigger in Houston, but I think I think they're going to go with Deshaun because that offensive line's a snap, man. Even up ten sacks, I think they feel like he can at least create and extend plays and at least get them out of trouble a little bit that way. Um, so the Bengals, I think, believe that Watson's going to be the, the starting quarterback. It doesn't mean that he won't go back at halftime to Savage if it didn't go well, like he did to Watson. So I think that uh, you know Paul Gunther probably feels that that he can get in Watson's head a little bit quicker in terms of giving him looks that he hasn't seen before and pre-snap looking one way and post-snap being a total other way. So, uh, but, but I'm sure they'll have a good quarterback run package. I mean, it'll be zone read stuff. I'm not saying they're going to run quarterback sweep, quarterback draw, quarterback time, all that kind of stuff because in the NFL it's open up a new can of quarterbacks. But I do think they're going to you know, zone reads and the quarterback run package the Bengals are going to have to be aware of for sure. Dave, last one for me. You're not the GM, but you've been connected to this team for many years. What do you think the Bengals players need to do on the field this year to back Marvin Lewis, who's in the last year of his contract? Well, I know they have to play a whole lot better than they did in the opener, man. I mean, Joe Flacco couldn't throw the ball 15 yards, and they lose a game to uh, literally a, a quarterback that's disadvantaged uh, physically. Uh, they, they, they won a game without completing a pass in the second half of the football game. In the National Football League and today's here in the NFL, that's that's unbelievable. But the Bengals self-destructed. I mean, they turned it over on third down. They gave up a third down touchdown on third and seven right before the half, a 48-yard touchdown pass. I mean, they certainly have to play a hell of a lot better than they did against the Baltimore Ravens. And if they lose their first two games and both of them at home, the only other time that happened to the Bengals was in 1983. So to lose two in a row at home, would be, you know, a rarity in franchise history. It hadn't happened a whole heck of a lot to have two games at home to start the season, but 
I mean, you got to defend your home turf. You go home and two to start out, and then have to go to Green Bay, and you're uh, you're swimming upstream for sure, and it won't look good. Dave, as always, we appreciate the information. Have a great call tomorrow night, and we'll chat with you soon again on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, guys, have a great one. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. TuneIn puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls from more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. Let TuneIn bring you home. With TuneIn's local radio browse feature, listen to live FM and AM radio stations from your home area as if you've never left town. Spend the day listening to your favorite stations and hosts, local news and talk shows, and familiar voices that you've grown to love. Or maybe you're missing that morning drive show that gets you to the office, your go-to hip-hop station with special guest DJs, or maybe sports talk about your favorite team. Then catch your hometown favorites with local radio on TuneIn. With TuneIn, you can go home again. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's break down the Patriots trying to bounce back from their week one loss to Kansas City by welcoming in Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Andy, we appreciate you taking the time, and you always provide logical analysis, but how have Patriot fans been reacting emotionally to that loss last Thursday night? I've actually been pleasantly surprised with sort of some of the level-headedness I've heard from Patriots fans. Um, They can be in a a very emotional group. Um, but there haven't been a ton of the sky is falling. Uh, certainly defensively, there are a lot of concerns. I think there's a real worry that, that that's going to be a bad unit. Um, but I think they expect the offense to look a lot different and a lot better than what we saw against Kansas City. So um, I think the by New England standards, I think the reaction has been pretty measured, and, and I think that's a good thing. When you think about how the – the, the New England Patriots have been been able to plug guys in, but with some players that's been missing, do you think that's a, a big part of, of, of maybe some of the issues they have, especially on the offense? You saw Tom Brady trying to connect with Brandon Cooks. It looked as if they were off just a little bit. Uh, when you see that, do you become alarmed just a little bit moving forward, considering that I think it's having uh, Edelman out of the mix? You, you think that kind of scares some people on the offensive side of the football, even some of the fans, as you mentioned. Yeah, I do. there's going to be a transition period. Um, you know, Brady's been asked about it quite a bit, and he said, you know, that's going to be all year because you can't lose somebody like Edelman as both a leader, a producer, a friend of his, and just pretend, you know, next man up. I mean, that's just not the reality of the situation. But I also expect it to look a lot better than it did against Kansas City. Um, I thought the game plan – uh, was pretty atrocious for the Patriots on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I've been covering this team for a long time, and I would put that up there, one of the two, three worst game plans, both sides of the ball, that I've seen from Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels. Um, they seem to get really nervous in the second half and just sort of chuck and duck offense. You know, they were just throwing bombs up to, to, to not only Cooks, but Hogan, uh, even Philip Dorsett, who just arrived a week ago. Um, you know, they lost not only Edelman, but then they lose Danny Amendola to a, a concussion on a punt return. 
And it's just, you know, it's almost like they forgot about Hogan underneath. They forgot about the passing back. And it was just emergency time, throw it deep. So I, I think it will look better than that. But in terms of plugging in personnel, to me it's the defensive side of the ball where there's some real concerns. Um, you know, they had a real interesting um, scheme where they moved basically linebacker Dante Hightower to defensive end, and they basically moved safety Jordan Richards to linebacker, outside linebacker, and they had a real light front, and not surprisingly, Andy Reid ran all over it. You know, Kareem Hunt had a great game running right at a light front, which is sort of, you know, football 101. You're going to give me a light front, I'm going to run at it until you stop me. They never stopped him. Um, Now, the flip side, the bad part of that is they also didn't stop the pass. They were giving up big plays in the passing game, Um, You had guys like Cassius Marsh, who'd been with the team less than a week, getting significant reps at defensive end. Um, And then he was in coverage on one play. Kareem Hunt hit him for a big play in coverage. Those are the ones that you wonder, you know, two weeks from now, will Cassius Marsh look like, you know, another one of those Patriots pickups that just finds a role and is getting the job done? Or are some of these guys that they've brought in or some of these guys that are looking at elevated roles like a Chris Hogan, are they not ready for those elevated roles? Only time will tell how that plays out. Andy Hart, Patriots.com radios our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. So, Andy, you were just dissecting the personnel. Let's take a step back and talk about themes. Falcons led 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. I saw it on the scoreboard pregame Thursday at Gillette <laughs> Stadium. Chiefs offense looked tremendous last week. What is the state of the Patriot defense heading into this game in New Orleans? It's it's interesting, um, certainly, because, I, first of all, I thought they ran out of gas. I thought they looked slow and tired on defense, which is supposedly what happened to the Falcons in the Super Bowl, that conditioning was a factor in the Patriots' favor. But, yes, the defense you've seen the last two times the Patriots have taken the field is not the defense you'd expect that led the NFL in points allowed last season. It's not the defense that was a top-five rush defense last season. It's not even the defense that doesn't give up big plays. I mean, they gave up two 75-yard touchdowns. They hadn't done that in 40 years. They've never done that under the Belichick era. Um, You know, some of the tenets of the Patriots' defense, even when they're not great, are no big plays allowed. We do a decent job against the run, and we make the other team march down the field. We're not going to give you chunk plays. We're going to tackle. You can beat us because maybe we're not great in coverage and maybe we don't have a great pass rush but we're going to make you work for that. They didn't make Alex Smith work for it. He was hitting big play, chunk plays, and then, quite frankly, at the end, they gave up. You know, Tom Brady even mentioned their competitiveness immediately in postgame, but, you know, you give up a 50-yard run and then a 20-something yard run for a two-play scoring drive in the fourth quarter when you're only down a score, that's laying down, and that is very unpatriot. That's, that's a major theme this week. But just the defense, you know, they got a test. Now, I don't think the Saints are quite what – you know, we think traditionally of the Saints being, they still have Drew Brees, but, you know, the weapons have sort of taken a hit in recent years. You know, one of them, Brandon Cooks, is now on the Patriots' sideline. Um, you know, obviously Jimmy Graham's not there anymore. Michael Thomas is a good receiver. They have some, you know, decent running backs, that committee back there that they're trying to figure out. Um, but to me, this is all about the Patriots in terms of personnel and scheme. A, you know, all this talk about a positionless defense. Oh, we don't have to have defensive ends because – We play almost a style of basketball. We're a positionless defense. Well, you may have that theory in mind, but that theory was uh, kicked in the butt on Thursday night football. Um, I think they have a lot of figuring out to do. It won't help that Hightower um, is dealing with a a knee injury and is questionable at best um, to play. 
in, in New Orleans. Um, but they got some answering to do. They got some communication issues to figure out. You know, we see Stephon Gilmore and Devin McCourty um, combining to give up a, a 75-yard yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill, where neither seemed to know exactly what was going on. You know, that's $100 million in defensive backs that's not on the same page. That needs to be cleaned up. So um, it's not ideal to be heading into New Orleans to face Drew, Drew Brees and, you know, an annual 5,000-yard passing attack um, as you're struggling to figure out what you are on defense. But they are struggling, certainly. Is it okay to say if, if with uh, Julian Edelman being out and if you can hold Rob Gronkowski to just say under eight, uh, eight targets to maybe only having four catches that you can actually, actually beat this team? Because last year when playing against Chandler Jones, uh, excuse me, Cam Chancellor, excuse me, for the Seattle Seahawks, you saw what happened in that matchup between he and Rob Gronkowski. And then this past week had six targets uh, and only having two catches with – Eric Berry covering him, is it okay to say if you cover Rob Gronkowski, obviously Julian Edelman is not in, that this offense can struggle? Right now it looks that way. Now, I still think there are opportunities. Um, you know, as I said, I thought they got too one-dimensional in the way you sort of unfolded it. They lost the slot receiver. Gronk was being taken away by Eric Berry and some real physical double coverage at times. Um, you know, they hit one big play to Cooks, but they kept trying to go deep. You know, it looked like they got away from, to me, what is the core of the Patriots' passing game, and that's short, rhythmic passing. Take what the defense gives you. Once Amendola was gone, they didn't try to run any option routes or anything really underneath drags with Hogan or any of those guys. They forgot about the running backs, I thought, in the second half. You know, supposedly Deion Lewis and James White are two of the best passing backs in football. You know, I thought they got away from those guys. Um, but you're right. They're, they're searching for an identity right now because for – you know, whatever it is now, more than a decade, it was either Wes Welk or Julian Edelman was the core of this offense. It was 140 targets every year. You know, a third of your passes thrown were going to that slot receiver. More often than not, that guy was catching the ball 100 times. He was moving the chains. He was starting drives. Well, that right now looks like it's gone, and you need to find a new identity. Um, I thought it was a little alarming how Gronk was taken out of the game. You know, I, you don't see that too often when he is supposedly healthy, and by all accounts, he's healthy. But I thought he looked slow, and I thought he looked unable to create separation with a good player, Eric Berry. But last time he played Eric Berry in Foxborough, he made him look bad. He embarrassed him for a touchdown. So, you know, that, that's a change in that matchup that, you know, the all-pro Berry got the better of. But um, certainly they have some, some evolving to do as an offense. And you're right, it's a little bit like, back in the day when Bill would talk about the Moss-Welker offense and say, if you can cover Moss on the outside and cover Welker in between, we got nothing else. Well, if you don't have the slot receiver and Gronk's covered, what do they have? They need to find out that they have Hogan and Cooks and Lee, Lewis and White and the other guys. So, you know, that's on Brady and McDaniels to make that happen starting this week. Andy, great information as always. We'll chat with you soon. That show in West Virginia, was that really just a month ago? You know how it works in football season. Everything's accelerated. That feels like that was 10 years ago. It really does. A lot has happened. Remember when we were talking 19-0? and 0? Well, we I never said that, Andy. <laughs> Andy, I never said that. <laughs> you know what, Andy? I love you, man. I appreciate you bringing that up, bro. You're a good man. Good man. But one more question that you may not like. Um, how is the Brock Osweiler comeback player? Oh! Hey, you know what? It's not over with because he's still in Denver. The man has nine lives. I'm sorry. He go, look, he goes from being in Denver, he goes to, to Houston, Cleveland. Now he's a backup in Denver again. 
Come on, man. Andy, still he never over. said which year he was going to be comeback player That's of the year. Right. Could be next year, 2022. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. We'll chat with you soon. See you, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to and from the heart of pop culture. Author's note. That's me. I'm the author. Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life. I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself, but I've tried to get it right. From a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars. I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to the two of us. With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to bring you our ever-changing power rankings and the five teams we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. All right, partner, you want to shake it up? We have a formula here. I've been going first. You have then had the witty rejoinder. You want a coin toss? Who's going first today? Let's throw the coin up in the air. Okay. Got it? You got to call it. Yeah. It's... Hits. Tails it is. I'll go first. <laughs> Can we cue up the band? Let's do it, baby! Hang on. I got to put See, that I just quarter. I just yelled. I just yelled right That there. was nice. I got to put the quarter in the jukebox. Do something. I'm ready to go. At number right. five, hey. the silver and black are oh, back. Oakland Raiders, don't give me the hosannas here. We know about the offense. If we're having an early conversation trying to project who's going to win the MVP award, Derek Carr will be in the top three at the end of the year. Marshawn Lynch looking rested and rejuvenated. Don't call to come back. He's been in Oakland for years. Most importantly, the defense playing well, shutting down your Tennessee Titans. I'm listening. Number four. The Patriots take a major hit, but they're still in my top five. Remember, this is a snapshot and a projection. I'm not going to moonwalk from my observation. They could have a very solid year. I might have said they'd be undefeated. I don't recall. Still, the question marks that we'll address when we check in with Andy Hart from PatriotsRadio.com are self-evident. What's going on with that defense that was annihilated by Alex Smith and the Chiefs, plus all the injuries at the wideout position? No Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola in the concussion protocol. Number three, Kansas City Chiefs. You're going to say, wait a minute, loud guy. They should be higher. The issue I have moving forward is no Eric Berry. Got to see how that defense looks without him. But what a wonderful debut it was for the rookie running back Kareem Hunt. Magnificent performance after he had the fumble on his very first touch in a regular season game in the National Football League. Kansas City, number three. Number two, and this is not based on what I saw 
in the narrow victory on the road in Cleveland. This is a projection. Steelers going to be just fine. Now, we're going to learn more about Pittsburgh when they host Minnesota on Sunday. Still, you got to believe that Le'Veon Bell will do more. What more can Antonio Brown provide in the win over Cleveland? He was targeted 11 times. He came up with 11 big receptions, 180 receiving yards. How about the man from the wild, wild west? Not Will Smith, Jesse James. The tight end with a pair of touchdowns. Defense improved with Watt the rookie, Hayden in the secondary, Pittsburgh number two. Number one, the team that came up with the best victory, Green Bay Packers, based on the defense. Dictating the terms against Seattle, Green Bay number one. Back to you. God, that's how you do it, huh? So you take Green Bay from being number five all the way to number one, just that quick, huh? Based on quality of victory. Quality of victory? Okay, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll shake this thing up just a little bit because this was such a bad loss for this New England Patriots football team and the few players that they actually lost when it comes down to good receivers and correct me if I'm wrong, it was Edelman that they end up losing. So I'm going with the New England Patriots at five. I'm sorry. I'll put them at five. I don't know for sure based on how this defense looked, based on how the offense looked. I'll go with New England Patriots at number five, even though we know they're going to get better. I'm just going to put them at number five just for the sake of doing it because I think they need to improve across the board when it comes down to it. Green Bay. I'm putting Green Bay at number four. I'm not jumping up into the top three quite yet. I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid. I'm not buying it yet. This Seattle Seahawks football team looked like they couldn't do anything right. They turned the football over. Green Bay capitalized. I need to see more from this Green Bay football team. I know Aaron Rodgers. I know we just want to anoint him as a Hall of Famer today. We want to say he's the best Green Bay Packer to ever live. I know we want to say all those great things, but you know what? I need to see more from this defense against another team when come down to playing. I like Green Bay, but I'm not anointing them to be the better team in the National Football League. So we have New England at five, okay? We have Green Bay at number four and number three. I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs. I give the Kansas City Chiefs the number three spot. I like what they what I saw from this offense. I know you talked about Eric Berry, but I think this defense can actually carry, can pick up the pace just a little bit. Justin Houston coming off the edge and company. I think they'll be able to pick up some of that slack. I know that's one of their emotional leaders. I think I, I know he's one of probably the more physical defenders when it comes down to having to play against a, a Rob Gronkowski, one of the better tight ends in the National Football League. I think they can hold their weight down pretty good when it comes down to continue to play. I think Andy Reid he does a great job of mixing it up just a smidgen offensively. I like what I saw from Alex Smith, honestly. I thought he played superb. If he could continue that type of football with Tariq Hill, Kareem Hunt, Travis uh, Kelsey coming off the, uh, off the tight end position, being able to make plays, and also Alex Smith being able to make plays with his feet, I think it'll be pretty darn good. At number two, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, the boys with the stars on this team. I tell you what, man, I like what I saw from them. I don't care if they didn't have Odell Beckham in the game. They're trying to get the football to, 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 to Des Bryant. I like the running game. I know something may happen down the road, but you know what? We're not going to address that until we have to. All the players. Did you see that catch by Cole Beasley? Did you see the catch on the back? He put it on his name tag and said, look, this is my last name, Beasley. This is who I am. He got a first down late in the fourth quarter to be able to, to help this team to continue the trend defensively. I thought they played well across the board. The, the, the alumni uh, playing on the outside. Uh, how you pronounce his name? A Wuze. 
Jadobia Wuze. From Colorado. From Colorado. Colorado alum playing with the boys with the stars lead led by Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott getting it done. They end up coming away with a great victory against the Giants, which they needed to have as they start this 2017 season of Dak Prescott just being who he is, just playing good football. And last but not least, black and yellow, baby. Black and yellow. Pittsburgh Steelers. How about TJ Watt? Actually getting an interception against this, this offense of the Cleveland Browns. How about Ben Roethlisberger? Targeting that young kid out there on the outside, number 84, Antonio Brown, getting up to, what, 144 yards off of, what, 11 attempts? Yeah, we know the running game wasn't good, but you have to assume that that's going to come around. Uh, you had Jesse James. How about that? How you like that name? Jesse James, quarterback, and, and Ben Roethlisberger has been asking for a tight end to be able to get the football to. He had two touchdowns on the day. So starting at number five, I'm going with the New England Patriots. Number four, I'm going with your Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Number two, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. And how about, let's throw Cole Beasley in there, baby, catching the ball on his back, letting you know what his last name is. I'm Beasley, I'm that guy. In that defense, playing solid, holding his team to only three points. And how about the team, black and yellow? Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger in that defense. I'm going to give the young kids some love. The rookie, T.J. Watt, filling in for... Uh, James Harrison, who we know is the grandpappy of the whole entire deal. And guess what happens when he gets his thing going? It's going to be pretty dangerous. So, again, as I said, New England 5, 4, the Green Bay Packers, 3, the Kansas City Chiefs, 2, the Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, the boys with the stars, and Cole Beasley catching it on his name. And the Steelers at number 1. Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger and company. T.J. Watt on the defense side of football. I'll let you, boy. Back at you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Get to know artists in a new way on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. Search Fireside Chat to hear exclusive interviews with SZA. And I still don't know myself, but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know. Legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill. I'm not trying to hide where I come from or pretend to be something I'm not. ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music. So the inspiration for this album was a lot of past relationships. Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn. Hi, I'm Kelly. Kelly Sutton from TuneIn Country Roads. Was it more love or war putting this together? I loved it, but it, it was war. Really? We're broadcasting every day live from Nashville. News and interviews with your favorite country stars. When I first heard the song, I knew it was me. Kiss me out of pretty girls sing. With all of your favorite new country songs, join me on Country Roads on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast today, it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Nick Menzio from rotoworld.com. Nick, thanks for taking the time. Let's start in Detroit. Kenny Galladay, the rookie from Northern Illinois, looks so good on Sunday in the win over Arizona. Can he keep it going, or could that have been an outlier? Yeah, he looked great. I mean... He played over T.J. Jones in three wide sets. I think he outsnapped Jones 44-18. to 18. So he should be taking over that job for sure. And the Lions ran the third most, third highest percentage of three wide sets last year, and they like to play hurry-up offense. I mean, I think Galladay is the real deal for sure. Uh, Nick, after a week of limited touches, how do you grade Joe Mixon moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to be on Mixon for sure. Just Marvin Lewis never plays rookies. And, I mean, he's playing. He's rotating Mixon, Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard right now. So, 
sooner rather than later. I'm hoping I'm hoping Marvin Lewis will uncage the rookie and, and let him let him go. But right now, you just kind of have to sit sit back with him and, and wait it out a little bit. And that's what Dave Lapham from the Bengals Radio Network told us in hour number one of the program. All right, we're also looking at guys who could be one week wonders in addition to what Kenny Galladay did. What's the outlook for Benny Fowler? I'm not. I'm not on at all. He only saw four targets, turning two of them into short touchdowns. Uh, he played just over 50 percent of the snaps. I just don't like this offense to be able to support three receivers. And as we know, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are well above Fowler for targets in that offense. Matthew Stafford. We know he's got a bunch of money this offseason, but is he going to be a, a top five fantasy QB this season? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely buying into the buying into the hype a little bit. That they ran a ton of up tempo offense in the preseason. They did it again in Week One, but last year they tried to do this, and the defense couldn't couldn't keep opposing offenses out of the end zone. But the defense played well in Week One, and if they can hold up their end of the bargain, I think Stafford could light it up as a passer. I mean, they're going to run a ton of plays if if everything goes according to plan. It's the Fantasy Fix with Nick Menzio from RotoWorld.com. We all are believing it'll be Deshaun Watson starting on Thursday Night Football on the road against the Bengals. Joe Flacco was able to carve up that Cincinnati defense. He's a veteran. What's the fantasy perspective on the rookie on Thursday Night Football coming up tomorrow? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super high on Watson. I'd much rather play the Bengals defense at home. Uh, Watson didn't look great in his half of action last week. That touchdown drive, I know. He threw that touchdown on DeAndre Hopkins, but that, that drive got uh, – plays got added on to that drive because there was an, a roughing the passer penalty and then an inter- interception was called back on Watson. So he actually should have been shut out in that game. But he was wildly inaccurate. He doesn't run very much. I don't think he's like this Cam Newton type that's going to like power his way into the end zone at the goal line. So I'm, I'm really not that high on Watson right now, and this offense is notoriously one of the hardest to learn in the NFL. Nick, is there any player that didn't make a major statement like Hooper, uh, Jesse James, or even Galladay that caught your eye and may be worthy of a waiver claim? Uh, Marquise Lee kind of comes to mind on that one, but he didn't, he didn't really catch my eye in week one. He didn't catch any passes, but with Allen Robinson out for the year now, like like we know, we saw him tear his ACL in the first series of that game, which is brutal, but I think Marquise Lee is going to take over as the number one receiver in that offense, and he should be available in some leagues. and. I mean, they're not going to throw the ball a ton, but he's, he's the 1A in that offense over Alan Hearns. Nick Mencio, RotoWorld.com, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Cordell is the investor in this show. He's got NFL money. He tells me, buy low, sell high. <laughs> Let's use that in fantasy football. Any players that look good on Sunday that you might want to try to trade now while they're hot? Yeah, sell high that definitely comes to mind is Tariq Cohen, uh, Everyone was running the waiver wires to pick him up after this big game against the Falcons, but I just can't see him sustaining this this pace or anything like that. He ran twelve routes on twenty. I mean, he ran twenty one routes and it was targeted on twelve of them. That's just highly unsustainable pace. And he he finished at the top four fantasy back in week one. That's just never going to happen again this season. I I put money on that. But if you picked him up off waivers this week, I'd be trying to flip him immediately for another receiver. Like that's like a wide receiver two, someone. That maybe didn't have a big week that we could maybe like a Chris Hogan maybe from the Patriots who I really like to bounce back this week. So I try and flip Cohen for sure. Chris Johnson is back filling in obviously for David Johnson, but is he worthy worthy of a pickup uh, that he is back with the Cardinals? Is he worthy of a pickup? Yeah, this backfield is definitely going to be one to 
one tough one to sort out. They got Kerwin Williams in the picture, Chris Johnson now added to the mix. They signed DJ Falls off the Patriots practice squad. They have Andre Ellington in a pass game role. So after Andre Ellington, they have, they have four guys in this backfield. And I mean, I'd definitely pick up Johnson on speculation that he could maybe get 12 to 15 touches a week. And he's a veteran in that offense. Bruce Arian seems to love him. So I don't think he's going to be any help right away, but maybe when bye weeks start coming around in the fantasy season, he could have some, have some worth. Last one for me. We know that kickers are people, too. So when we're factoring in the place kicker or a defense, what's your philosophy? You mix and match. Are you swapping out defenses, or are you going to ride a quality defense for as long as you can? Oh, I mean, unless I have like someone like the Seahawks, I'm definitely flipping defenses every week. Uh, during the summer, I was drafting the Bills everywhere just because I knew they were playing the Jets week one. It didn't really work out as as well as I would hoped, but... That's what, that's my goal, and I'm flipping kickers, defenses every week. This week, I'm really liking Giorgio Tavecchio of the Raiders. He just had a huge week in week one, but he's get, he's getting the Jets this week at home. And then on defense, I really like the Bengals, like I mentioned, the Ravens at home against Sean Kaiser and the Browns, and then the Raiders at home against the Jets as well. Nick, as we wrap it up, I need to vet a fantasy analyst when he comes on the program for the first time. How many fantasy leagues are you playing in? How did you do in week one? I'm actually in six uh, six leagues right now, and I play a lot on DraftKings and FanDuel as well. But I, I went three and three in the first week, so I lost David Johnson on one of those. Teams. Oh Luckily, man, I, only had, I had oh. one share, but sorry, Nick, that was yeah, tough. I should I should <laughs> escape a little bit. <laughs> we should give you an asterisk on that one, huh? Right, definitely. All right, Nick, appreciate the insights. We'll chat with you soon on the NFL on TuneIn. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.